my guitar. <laughs> I had loaded some other stuff and got out of rhythm. So we're going to sing, sing this without a guitar this morning. And I was, I was hoping maybe Kenny would show up and I would borrow his. But if, if you wonder, I figure people would be like, why did he play his guitar? So that's why. So I thought I'd let you know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Say good morning on the count of three. Really loud. One, two, three. Good morning. Good job. The woman left her pot, her water pot, sorry, and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Appreciate being in the Lord's house again, and uh, appreciate everybody that's made an effort to be here this morning. Uh, we got a lot of people vacationing on the road this weekend, but uh, uh, it says in the Bible, where a few of us gather, he'll be there. Uh, I know that's not quite exactly how it says it, but uh, we just pray that uh, we can get where we need to be this morning, and uh, our church will back the preacher this morning, and the gospel will go out and touch someone's heart this morning. and. Uh, just remember the Sunday school teachers and uh, everybody needs to make an effort to do something this morning. I just pray that everybody would do everything the Lord had asked of them this morning. And we can have a, just a fantastic service this morning. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Lil Thomas to dismiss the Sunday school.
Good morning. Uh, good to be here this morning. Lesson is uh, in Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 12. Goes from verses 22 to 32. And uh, the first verse of the lesson says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And uh, I want to go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast in the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And then over in Job, Chapter 2 says the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And verse 2 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Uh, there's a lot of places in the Bible I, I, I was reading over in some different spots. Um, and one thing I noticed was there was a lot of places in the Bible when Jesus was here especially where they said they brought to him somebody possessed of a devil. Uh, we, we was all possessed of a devil. Uh, a lot of TV shows and different places, they, they like to uh, take that possession stuff to the next level and make it look like the the devil's going to make your head spin around and your eyes turn red and all that movie stuff but uh, doing evil is the devil's work and if we let the devil talk us into doing things that that we know is wrong then we are possessed of a devil like I just read, the Bible says the devil is going to and fro and up and down in this earth right here all the time. Now, being saved, we've got the power through God, through Jesus' blood, to rebuke that devil and, and put him in his place and not do the evil that he's trying to convince us to do. But he's still there. There's a warfare. And this guy, uh, in verse 22 was brought to Jesus, possessed of a devil, blind and dumb. Uh, <clears throat> Before I got saved, I couldn't see. Uh, no way out. I couldn't see the, the how I was possibly going to not be lost. 
And I couldn't speak of God's grace because I didn't know anything about it. I was blind and dumb and possessed of a devil. And it said they then was, was brought to him, one. Who brought him? The church. The church brought this man to Jesus and prayed for him. Uh, now, Jesus healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. If the, if the man that was brought to Jesus hadn't had the faith to get saved, he wouldn't have never got saved. Just because the church brought him there, um, I said this Wednesday night, but I'll say it again. Uh, if you go past the where the end of the, of, the, of the lesson is and go on down about the end of chapter 12, it says, Jesus told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. So the church is, is the ones that brings people to God. And, and sometimes we might not even bring them physically. And like this guy was brought, <clears throat> I believe he was brought physically to the house Jesus was in. And, and Jesus healed him. I think there's a physical side to this too. Uh, but spiritually, uh, we bring people to Jesus just by praying for them. And then Jesus will deal with them according to their faith. <clears throat> Verse 23 says, And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Uh, I was just 11 years old when I got saved, so probably there wasn't too much bad in my life. There probably wasn't too many of my friends that said, wow, this guy's really different now. Um, but there was a time in my life when I was older that I got about as far away from God as I thought I could get. And when I got back right with God, I know there's still to this, to this day, there's a lot of people that I knew back then that look at me and say, wow. What a difference, because there is a big difference. Uh, but then we move on to the next verse and see what the Pharisees said. And I'm sure there's some people that knew me back then that have this same attitude. Verse 24 says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. This is where, in my mind, I got to be careful because I don't want to offend anybody or any other religions or or anything like that. But we've got people that call themselves Christians and call themselves religious that today will see somebody get saved and deny that it was the work of the Lord because it don't fit with what their doctrine says. 
because that person's done too much wrong. There ain't no way they could have got saved or whatever their reason might be. But we've got people in this world right now that don't believe that they need to get saved by God's grace. Uh, they believe they can work their way into heaven. Some of them go door to door handing out pamphlets and think that the, the more they hand out, the closer they're going to get to heaven. Some of them believe that once you're dead that the church can pray you into heaven. The uh, Bible says where a tree falls, that's where it'll lay. There ain't nothing the church or, or anybody else can do for you once that day comes that you get put in the ground. But these Pharisees, uh, you know, I was thinking about these guys. And sometimes it just amazes me the attitudes that the Pharisees had, especially with Jesus. But they wanted things to be a certain way. And, and I thought, how many times when dealing with Jesus, uh, did Jesus look at the Pharisees and say, have you not read in the book? Because he knew, the, he knew the, the Bible inside and out before it was ever written, I guess. But the Pharisees acted like they knew it all. They knew the, they knew the, the law and the Bible and the, the books of it. And they knew what it said, but they twisted everything around to fit what they wanted it to, to mean. Um, there's a lot of, uh, they, they wanted to go into the, into the temple. And I guess, I don't really know, but in my mind, I picture the temple and the, the front of it being like this, kind of raised up. <clears throat> but I picture it going on up a little bit at a time. And as the, as the ranks of the Pharisees came into the temple, they probably went up and took their seat. And the highest ranking guy in the Pharisees group sat right up there at the top. And he, and he put on his fancy robes and he went in there with his jewels and incense and all that. And he got right up to the highest seat in the house and made sure that everybody seen him coming in and sitting there because that was what they wanted everybody to do was see him they wanted to be known for their glory they wanted to glorify their self uh, I, I sat and reading this the other night and I, I got to thinking about our church and I got to thinking about some of the some of the people that I've just put on a pedestal myself over the years that have went to this church and uh, if you was to talk to any of them even to this day some of the guys that I think are just about to walk on water sometimes they're humble they don't put themselves up on a pedestal they're humble they put God up there and that's the reason that they're so big in my eyes is because They've stood for the Lord. Uh, but verse 25 says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, 
and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Uh, there again, we go back to when I got saved. There's part of me, the inner man that, that always desired to get back to God. Then there was the outer man that didn't really want to do that because I was shy and I was embarrassed and people's got a hundred million different reasons why they don't want to go do what God wants them to do. But it's this flesh and letting the devil say whatever it takes to keep you from doing what God wants for you. Uh, but as long as I sat there on that front bench that day and battled between the inner man and the outer man, that battle kept me away from God. So that house divided was, was going to go to desolation. It was going to be destroyed. Uh, I had to get the flesh under subjection and make it agree with the inner man so that it could not be destroyed. And verse 26 says, And if Satan cast out Satan... He is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Oh. Satan can't, can't or won't cast out Satan. Uh, I don't understand uh, really the, the thinking that these Pharisees even came up with saying that Jesus was casting out demons by, the, by Beelzebub. Uh, why would the devil want to cast out devils? Uh, I mean, I just don't, that don't make any sense to me. But Jesus said, if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself and his kingdom can't stand. Uh, but we all know Satan's kingdom still standing. He's not, he's not going to do anything that's going to damage his reputation or his ability, uh, and he's going to sneak around as much as he can and try to get us in trouble if we let him. Uh, verse 28 said, but if I cast, or I'm sorry, verse 27 says, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Uh, I struggled with that verse a little bit had to pray about it a lot uh, but what I got out of it is if you read back in the Old Testament a lot of places they, they uh, there's places where they it says they had the kings had sorcerers and they had uh, they had soothsayers and they had magicians and they had uh, they had these guys that that could do just about anything that the, 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 the prophets could do. At, at least tricking this mind and this eye into seeing what they wanted you to think. Um, I guess you could call it magic. They did magic tricks. Um, but none of it was any good when it came right down to it 
There's many, there's several places in the Bible where uh, a king had a problem and he called all of his magicians and all of his soothsayers and all of his sorcerers and everybody together, come and fix this problem, come and explain this to me. And they'd get there and they'd do everything they could, but they couldn't figure out what, what the problem was. And then somebody would say, well, hey, there's a, there's a man of God over here that can do these things. And the, the one that sticks out in my head right off the bat is the, the hand writing on the wall. They had everybody they could think of in there trying to decipher that writing and figure out what happened. How did this happen? And nobody could, nobody could give the king an answer, so he sent for Daniel. And Daniel come in and told him what it was. Told him exactly what it said. Because he had that contact with God. And it wasn't anything Daniel could do. But it was because Daniel stood and listened to God. And that's what he's saying in this verse. If he cast out spirits by Beelzebub. Well, what's your children doing? Because they're not doing it through God. And if you're going to depend on them then they'll be your judge. Uh, you're going to fall by listening to the world. There's a, there's a lot of people in the world, especially, like I said before, i got to be careful because I don't want to offend anybody, but there's a lot, of, a lot of religious people that'll take you to hell with them if you listen to them because they don't have a clue what the Spirit of God means or, or is. But, but yet they've set up a church and they make it all pretty and they make it sound real good so that you can go in there and pay your tithes and go home patting yourself on the back saying, I did good, I went to church today. But there wasn't nothing in it. Uh, it's going to leave an empty place with you. Uh, anyways, verse 29 says, or else... How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Uh, when when Satan's in here and gets in control, I, 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 I slip up sometimes and let Satan have control. Let him have his way. When that happens, uh, I've got to I've got to get control, and I'm not strong enough to to fight Satan. I can't do it, but I know the one that can. And if I get on my knees and I ask God for help. He's always there, and he'll bind Satan, and he'll lock him down and, and put an end to that playhouse. Uh, most importantly, when I was lost, I had no way out, and I could not get Satan out of the way. But when I prayed and gave up, I'll say it that way, I gave up. Because I thought I was going to make a deal with God. I, I thought I was going to offer this and offer that and, and I'll do this and I'll do that. And 
That's not the way God wanted it. I had to give up and just say, God, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. And then God come in and, and bound Satan up and got him out of the way. And spoiled Satan's fun. Now, I guess the... What I got out of that verse, a lot of, is the last line. It says, and then he will spoil his house. It doesn't say he'll run him out of the house or take his house. He'll spoil his house. Uh, this is still, this outward man still Satan's house. If, if you want to look at it that way, he still lives here. I still got to deal with him every day. But God come in and cleaned up the inside and made it his house. So he spoiled, he spoiled Satan's fun as long as I follow God and do what he wants me to do. And then that's where we get into verse 30. He says, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. We've, I've heard all my life that, that as soon as Satan realized he couldn't get his foot into God's church, he went out and made one just like it uh, for himself. Uh, and there again, I've said a lot, we've got a lot of churches in the land today that talk a good story and, and paint a pretty picture, but they don't know what the spirit of God is all about. Uh, and as long as the devil can keep people going to churches like that, he's winning because he's keeping people from getting saved. Uh, we was talking about that the other day. We've got several churches right here in Lima that have so many members that they have to have two or three services every Sunday morning just to be able to get all their members to a chance to come in and set through a service. Well, the only reason they've got that many members is because they don't require anything of their members. People want to go to church, and like I said before, they want to pat themselves on the back and say, I did, did my, paid my tithes, and I went to church this Sunday. I'm doing good. But if God's not in it, what good have you done? If you're not with him, uh, there was a time when I wasn't with him, and the people I came in contact with, I probably pushed farther away from God if they knew anything about me. Uh, if they knew that I was that I had professed to be saved and was living the way I was living back then, I probably made them think even less of of church and, and doing anything God wanted them to do because uh, I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do <clears throat> but moving on here verse 31 says wherefore I say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men uh, 
The only unforgivable sin is dying without being saved. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, is turning it away. Uh, for me, it's hard to explain, hard to put into words what I know about that verse. But the reason I know about that verse is because of what God did for me down on the inside. Uh, When I was lost, I knew, sitting there on that front bench that Sunday morning, I knew what that one thing was that would cause me to never get saved. And that was to sit there and not answer the will of God. I guess blasphemy, uh, let me see if I can find that real quick in this book. It's uh, Blasphemy, according to this, is a Greek-based word referring to an insult or slander intended to harm the reputation of a person. In this case, I believe this, this blasphemy is referring to not necessarily disbelieving it, but not accepting it, uh, not being willing to do what the Spirit of God wants you to do. And verse 32 says, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Um, like I said, the, the, the blasphemy and the, and the speaking against the Holy Ghost, that's not talking about with this mouth. Um, that's talking about with the heart. And I don't know exactly how how God works with a lot of people. I, I was 11 years old when I got saved. And like I said before, probably hadn't done a whole lot wrong. But I was lost. Uh, I've known a few people that were well up in age before they got saved. Uh, now, I don't know. I know one person in particular that I've heard them testify and said they could have got saved when I did. But they didn't. And they went for years and years and God never spoke to them again. And they thought they was just out of luck. Uh, and then all of a sudden, one day, God come through in a church service and called them again, and they got saved. Uh, 
So I don't know, I don't know how often God will give people opportunity to be saved or how, how exactly he works like that. But I believe that as long as you've got breath and life, there's hope that somewhere along the line, God will give you a chance to be saved. But this, this verse speaking of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, if you come to that last chance that God gives you to be saved and you still say, no, I don't believe it, it ain't happening. You have condemned yourself. That's the one thing that God won't forgive. If you, if you believe in the Holy Spirit and you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day, uh, and you believe that the Holy Spirit is in control and give the Holy Spirit control, God will forgive everything you've done in your life. Everything. Uh, I've had people tell me they didn't, didn't want to go to church and didn't want to believe in God because they could not accept the fact that murderers and rapists and child molesters and people like that could go to heaven just like anybody else. Well, that's between them and God. If God gives them opportunity and they repent of all them sins, it doesn't matter what you've done in this life. God will save you. Uh, I was thinking earlier this morning, I've heard it said all my life that God's ways are higher than our ways. And the older I get, the, just a little bit more insight I kind of get into that. And I was thinking the other day, this, this world, uh, there's nothing important in this world except getting saved. There is nothing. That, we can't accomplish anything in this world. Let me explain what I mean. We got... You got a lot of people that are that are trying to accomplish something, whether it be build an empire or uh, be famous, being on TV or be a famous singer or, or whatever. It, it might even be something as small as building a house and, and having the, the house of your dreams somewhere, whatever. The point is, everything we do in this world is going to fall to ruin. Somewhere down the road, everything we've done in this world is going to burn up. Uh, if the world lasts another 10,000 years, the people that are just super famous right now will be forgotten. Nothing that they do will stand the test of time. This world is completely irrelevant about what we do with it, except being born again the world to come is the one that's important because it'll last for eternity uh, I've heard people say before what God does is done eternally uh, the things that God does will last forever the things that man do with the things that we do it's all going to come to naught eventually I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to live this life and think, well, it doesn't matter what I do. 
I mean, it does matter what you do, but the the physical stuff that we do in this world is is of no concern, really. It's it's what we do with the spirit that really matters. That's about all I got. Anybody got a comment or anything on this? Sunday school visitors pamphlet laying on the dresser. We used to give those out in Sunday school back years ago. Uh, the, the, the memory verse on the, at the bottom of the page was, uh, I'll not have you tempted above what you are able, but with every temptation there's a way made for your escape. And God filled my cup up and run it over and the devil had to leave. God are so much higher than the ways of man. Uh, and and yeah, yeah. And, and like I say, there, there's people that's waiting and watching for the kingdom of heaven to come down and, and be set up upon the earth. And it's already here. 
It's a spiritual thing, and it's all right here. Uh, it, it's it's amazing to me sometimes that that people that claim to be Christians can't see that God lives in me. The Bible even tells you the the God is in you. You are in me. Jesus told him, I am in you, and you are in me, and I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And if you ask anybody, where does God live? They'll tell you, in heaven. He's in heaven. He's sitting on the throne in heaven every day, all day. But Jesus said, I am in you, and you are in me, and I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That means we're all that's been, all that's been saved 